Okay, we're we're recording. <laughs> All right, what? take two. Hey, hey. <laughs> Hey, 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 I'm Steph. And I'm KB. And, and we, we are Activate Podcast. We are two Jesus-loving mamas who may cuss a little. This podcast is our passion. Get ready to tag along through the ups and downs of our crazy lives. We're going to bring you guests that will inspire and encourage you to grow in your health and in your faith. We will talk about parenting, relationships, fitness, and nutrition. We will bring you the latest fashion tips and share all of our favorite things. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you some laughs and relatable, inspiring content that will encourage you to activate your life. Hey, how's it going? Hi, friend. It's going good. I'm 39 now. I feel like I'll be better at podcasting, older and wiser, (laughs) all the things. All the things I was going to say. How was your birthday? I love the gold balloon. I got the gold balloon for my birthday, too. But I never got a picture, and so I had them in my upstairs Shoot. forever. I, Amanda kept coming I, over to blow them up, oh. and then I never took the picture. I came out in the morning to Jonathan painstakingly blowing up all sorts of balloons all over the kitchen and uh, to a loud noise because they're popping, and he's like, oh, I should have got up earlier. And um, oh. and I walked out to apple fritters and cinnamon rolls and birthday cake and cupcakes and dinner reservations and he did everything he could sweetest card um to make it special so it was a good day good and dinner was black sheep yes it was good it was so good beautiful i mean the atmosphere is amazing and it was yeah it was really great it was a lot of fun so i I had a good day yes Um, just quickly to address last week we don't know why we sounded like the male version of our voices on our recordings with our children. We're not sure why. Um, but if you were wondering. We think it's fixed now though, right? I, I listened today. It's still. I mean, maybe it's better. I didn't hear it when it was real bad. I don't know, but we're very deep and slow. We were- well, you sent me a message the day before and you're like, did you listen yet? And I'm like, no. And then I listened and it didn't seem as terrible. And then when I was listening Monday morning, I was like, whoa. <laughs> well, so we don't know what that's all about, but our kids were cute. Yeah, we're back. We're yeah, back. To we're back. Here we are. Here we are. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So we are excited. It's a lot of craziness going on on around obviously with trafficking in the news and things like that and so um we had another guest on last year to talk about some of the stuff but um this is a friend of mine that i went to all of school not just high school i don't know why i was saying high school but grew up with and um i'm gonna just quickly read her bio and we'll get her on right away to talk about it awesome so emily keek is a wife mom entrepreneur and advocate In her first career, she worked as a medical speech pathologist. She became delusioned with the business of medicine, and her amazing husband encouraged and enabled her to walk away from it. Little did we know, she says, God had big plans for the next season of our lives. In 2017, her stepson had an opioid overdose. In the weeks and months following, as he fought for his life, working for physical recovery, her husband and she were called to open a recovery residence. They found that there was not an option in their hometown for women. God gave them the MICA Project, a nonprofit recovery residence for women. They are co-founders, and she serves as the president of the board and unofficially the executive director, handyman, (laughs) confidant, and shoulder to cry on. It's been an incredible journey for them so far. She has learned so much about the disease of addiction and the horrific realities that especially women live with 
in the throes of an active addiction. So we're going to jump on with Emily. Hey, 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 ladies. Hello. Happy Monday morning. Hi. <laughs> it's really Wednesday, but it's Monday for all of you listening. Um, and I am, I, I guess, I am excited to have Emily on today. Um, we actually went to high school. We went to all school together. Um, so we just hopped on this Zoom and I was like, oh my gosh, it's literally been like, how many years since we graduated? <laughs> A lot. Am Too I many. Like 25? <laughs> yeah, like 25 years almost. How crazy is that? Um, but I, we've been talking back and forth about having her on and she's just such a great advocate um, about many, many, many things. Um, she's also, you know, a woman of faith. And just most recently, we did have Brittany on a while back talking about the trafficking situation and things like that. But I think especially what's really been shouting to me to have Emily on is with all of these kids now that are going to be homeschooling and all of the trafficking that's going on and the ways in which some of these kids are targeted is, you know, mostly online. And so I wanted Emily just to come on here and share all of her wisdom um, and what she knows about the trafficking and what she knows about all of that stuff. Um, just so that we can kind of have a heads up as to what we're doing with having kids on and have, you know, they're going to most likely be on They're going to be online. We know that they're going to be online. Um, sorry, Emily, I muted you on accident. Um, so let's just kind of jump right in. Tell us all of the things. Absolutely. So um, I am by no means a total expert in this, um, but because of my work with our recovery house, I've been kind of given a crash course in all things related to, you know, substance use disorder and women in recovery and all the horrible things that they tend to experience as a part of their journey through their addiction. Um, so in that, I became involved in our local human trafficking task force. And so I, I kind of know the information that we disseminate to the community through that group. Um, and I'm pretty excited to be able to sort of share that with people outside of our smaller community. So um, I can sort of start with just kind of a definition of what that even looks like. Um, I guess when I first was introduced to this I I really didn't know what it meant you know I'd heard of it and you see the billboard signs and I guess maybe now it's a little bit more out in the open um With people are talking event. about it a little bit more but yes um but just so that everybody that's listening oh. has that background um the actual definition coercion to or having a minor exchange sex for money, even without force, broader coercion. So, um, hold on one second. Hold on. Can you? It just cut out right when you said, "Let me tell the definition." But can we just start? Sure. Yep. Sorry. You. Yep. Yep. Okay. So the definition is to um, the use of force, fraud, or coercion to compel someone to have sex for money 
or having a minor exchange sex for money, even without force, fraud, or coercion. So any, any time that a minor is, you know, put in that situation, it is considered trafficking. And then also just to kind of give some definition rooms used in the definition, abuse, confinement, deprivation of food or sleep, um, giving someone drugs or physical threats. Fraud would be false promises of, you know, giving them good working conditions or living conditions, um, holding, withholding wages. Um, and then coercion, of course, is, you know, threatening to harm themselves or potentially their family. Um, manipulation and then, you know, abuse or threats of abuse again. So there's this kind of common thread of threatening or abusive behavior across all three of those different things. So I was really surprised when I first learned about this, that it was so prevalent in young people in our area, the average age of girls who are entering into trafficking is 12, mm. which is mind boggling to me. I really, I can't even imagine as a 12 year old having to even think about any of that. Right. Um, so the, the traffickers tend to target people who are, or kids particularly, who are in need. So people with little parental parental involvement or maybe who are in the foster care system. Um, they look for people who have vulnerabilities and they exploit them to the maximum. Um, so with kids, and this is where like being online and using social media is so sketchy mm -hmm. because, you know, as we as adults all know, you know, you can set up a profile to make yourself look like whatever you want, mm -hmm. but our kids just think that everybody who's on the internet is who they are portraying themselves as, you know, so they, they find these, these kids who are online and they start, you know, um, maybe recruiting a little bit. And so recruiting is like starting to lure them um, by offering maybe love or affection, safety, money, a family. And so if, if the kids are online and saying like, oh, my parents are awful or, you know, I, this happened in my family and I can't believe my parents just hate me or, you know what I mean? Like kids have such crazy perceptions sometimes of what's reality. Um, people, you know, these predators are watching for that and they then they'll they'll make the initial contact and say oh hey you know it sounds like you're having a bad day or whatever and it, that's all it takes is for for somebody to make them feel like they're heard or make them feel like they're important or special or that they're you know caring for them in a way that they didn't feel cared for by their own family mm -hmm. um, and that opens that door um, so after that recruitment starts then it goes into grooming um, and that's where they, they, it's like a more intimate relationship, not within like the context of sexual intimacy, but just like getting to know each other more, building trust, um, giving them a sense of belonging. They might be starting to purchase them gifts or just investing their time into this child. Um, 
during the grooming process, they also start to break down their, their old identity and build up this new identity that the uh, trafficker wants them to have. Um, and really the manipulation of the trafficker over the child is um, much more during that time. Um, they also at that time will start to try to isolate the child or the the woman generally it's a it's women i mean it, it it does happen for for both males and females but it's more commonly females that this is happening with um but they they start to try to get them isolated so they're not you know hanging with their same group of friends anymore maybe they're only spending time with this other group or um you know just isolating them i guess from their normal people and gaining control over them. And at that point, then they start testing their sexual boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really when they are like one foot in the door of actual trafficking, because that's when their relationship will really shift into um, using them for, you know, for sex. And they, there's a lot of online advertising that happens. They give them quotas that they have to fill. Um, they might promise them that it's just going to be for a short while. And then all of a sudden it turns into this nightmarish process of who knows how long before they're able to escape or if they ever do. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of the, the process of how it, it occurs. Um, and I know that at the beginning, I sort of said that they target kids maybe who are really in dire straits, like homeless or really neglected or don't, you know, have a lot of support from their family. But this happens to kids in regular, so to speak, households as well. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it makes sense that it's like 12 year old girls because 12 year old girls are going through so much. I mean, I remember lots of things when we were that age and just think now, like with social media and the ways that they think that they have to be, or, you know, like the jealousy of the friends or they're thinking that, you know, I mean, there's so much that girls in general go through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess I don't, I kind of, there's so much to talk about here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so traffickers, I just want to like talk for a second about what a trafficker looks like, because in my mind, it's this like thug looking, like you could point them out of a lineup in a second, but that is generally not the case. Yeah. Um, they look like boyfriends. They look like executives. They look like you know, the lady in the grocery store who, you know, notices that there's an unaccompanied youth there at an odd time of day and offers assistance. And so like, it, it could be anyone it's, you know, I've, we've experienced with some of the women in our house that even their own family members were trafficking them. Like we had a woman whose sister was working with a trafficker and was trafficking her own sister. Um, so it really, it, you can't have a stereotype in your head of what that person is going to look like. And you've got to have your radar on all the time as a parent for any new person who shows up in your kid's life. 
Um, when so, you see that there's like quotas that they have to reach or they have to do certain things online, like how would you, how would you know as a parent or as somebody watching like a, a friend of yours child or something like, are they specifically like, that's the whole thing is I feel like it's obviously everywhere, but I would have no idea. Like, I feel like I've never once, I know that AJ and I were followed at a grocery store parking lot one day by a lady in a wheelchair and a guy pushing her and they had a little dog and it was definitely probably that. And I made sure to make eye contact and, you know, address them verbally and like all of that. And they turned around and went back into this van. Um, but if you, you know, how, how do you know, or like, what would they be saying online or like even the girls? For sure. So, so things as a parent to watch for, because I don't, you know, like they could say anything. It's yeah. they're, they're, they're looking for the specific vulnerability of the individual child. So it, it could be anything that they say. Um, and it's, it's less likely that they just like snatched people up out of the grocery store. Like that's, that's probably the, the least common way that this occurs. This occurs by them gaining the trust of the child and over time, you know, building that trust and manipulating them to believe that they're, that they care about them and that they are going to take care of them and that their family is terrible. Um, and so I guess as a parent, just watching for any new, especially adults, but even kids that are, are pulling your, your child out of their normal routine that are, you know, forcing them into new relationships with kids that you're not familiar with. Um, and particularly if they have some new adult friend, that, that should be a huge red flag. Yeah. Um, but, but things, you know, like, if kids are all of a sudden, you know, running around with new clothes that they wouldn't necessarily be able to afford or that, you know, their parents wouldn't typically buy for them. Um, if they're using language that is not necessarily typical for someone of their age, like talking about being in motels a lot or talking about a boyfriend that has lots of other girlfriends, mm. um, if they're you know, talking about going on dates when they're not old enough to really be doing that, or even if they are, but they're talking about going on dates often, you know, it's just kind of tuning into what should be happening at this person's life for their age. And is this something that makes sense and adds up to what you would expect? And, you know, you're always better off to err on the side of this doesn't seem right and contacting the police really I mean if it's a kid that you know and you know their family mm -hmm. um you know that would be your call if you wanted to contact parents also but you know the police are the ones who are trained in you know scoping this stuff out and, and monitoring it and they may already have an awareness of the the person that this individual may be you know running around with um so, so whenever you have a suspicion, the, the suggestion is to call the police. Um, there's also a national website, which I have to find, I'm sorry, national phone number, which let me find it here so that I tell you the right number. Okay, I don't have, oh yes, I do. Okay, it's 
373-7888. And that is the national human trafficking hotline. Okay. So if you ever aren't sure what to do or you think maybe something isn't right, you can always call that phone number and they will be able to help advise you as well. Okay. What do you find is like the most common? Is there a most common platform? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it? So um, there's a whole bunch of apps. It is unbelievable to me as a parent who doesn't really let my kid on any sort of yeah, I don't social media or I mean, like she's got an iPad, but I have such rigid control over that thing. Like she's not allowed to do anything. Um, but there are so many messaging apps. There are friend finder apps. There are hookup apps. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's video chat and then there's live streaming apps. Um, and they're always changing, you know. So there's actually a website that will it keeps up with like the current apps that people are using and it has like the first section when you log into it is like what are the most dangerous apps for kids oh um and that is wezift w-e-z-i-f-t dot com and then you go to the parent portal section um which is under one of the menus but one of the things that we suggest for parents is to take a little tour of your kids' devices with them, all of their devices, um, and have them open every single one of the apps and show you what they do and how, how they use them. Um, and then make sure that you have their password for every single one of the apps that they have. Um, because that way, you can always get in there and look and see what they're doing, um, particularly on the like the messaging apps and the video chat apps and stuff, so that you can see if they've got new people that you've never heard of, you can talk to them about that. And, and you know, I think the other piece of this is as parents, we need to be able to have these conversations, especially with our girls, not to freak them out and make them terrified of everybody out there in the world, but just so that they understand that you know, everybody isn't good and that they need to have their radar on too, you know, and listen to their gut. If something feels wrong, they should not pursue that. And it's, you know, it's hard because as teenagers, you get that little bit of rebellious streak. And when it feels wrong, it's exciting and you want to do it more. And, um, (laughs) at least I did when I was a teenager, um, So I fully expect to have that happen in my house as my kid gets older. Um, But, you know, there's, there's a difference between feeling that like surge of excitement because you're maybe being a little bit of a defiant kid against the rules versus like straight up not being safe. Um, And so just being open with our kids and having these conversations about their safety and, you know, things that they should be watching for, you know, if some random person starts offering to buy you stuff, that's not normal. Right. You know, that's not how people work in general. You should be very leery of that and you should probably not accept those gifts. And even if you really, really want them, because that's what everybody else has, you know, because it can lead down a path of 
really bad stuff. Um, so one other thing I just want to circle back to with talking about the apps is that there are the, there's these apps out there that are vault apps. Okay. So it's like a place where they can hide stuff. Um, so they could put apps in these vault apps or they can put pictures in the vault or they can, they can put whatever they want in there. And the ones that I've seen, they, they look like a calculator. Hmm. So like it has, it has the same picture on the app as like a calculator that comes on your phone. Oh, um, wow. But maybe it's got like a little plus sign at the end or there's something about it. that's not exactly the same, but it looks like a calculator. And so you're going to be like, Oh, that's just a calculator. Just skip that one. Mm -hmm. Don't skip any of them. When you do the tour of the apps with your kid, don't skip any single app go through every single one, even if they look like nothing. And especially if they're trying to tell you that, Oh, it's just nothing. That's the one that you want to be in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then the other thing would be if you're, as far as like setting up parental controls, kids are yeah. so smart. Oh my gosh. I don't know how we're ever going to keep up with them and all this, like knowing how to use technology. We didn't have computers, girl. We didn't have That was it. I know, right? I had a pager. I thought I was so cool because I had my pager. <laughs> um, but apparently there are also apps that can, that will take screenshots when you're in like the privacy settings and it, so if you have parental controls on your, your kid's device, oh. um, they can turn an app on and then hand the device over to you. If you're, if they know you're going to like change the password or change the settings or something so that they can't make changes after you make changes. Um, so if you're going to do something like change passwords or change you know, whatever limitations you have, shut their phone off, like power it down and then power it back up before you do those things. Hmm. Because that way, any apps they have running in the background that could potentially capture the new password information will be killed when you do that, that hard reboot. Gosh, wow. it's, it's crazy to so. think the lengths that these kids will go to, to keep things a secret, you know? Yeah, it really is. And it's crazy that we as parents have to be so far ahead of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I guess that's our job, but it just, it's hard. It is so hard right now in this technology era to, to stay ahead of them. Yeah. You'd almost have to do that like weekly, go through all their apps with them because they can change, you know, it can all just change so quickly. They can add something and get into something really dangerous in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, they really can. And I mean, that's obviously up to your discretion, how frequently you, you do it or don't do it. But that certainly is a way of really having a good tight monitoring of what they're doing online and who they're communicating with. Um, so I'm just looking through, I took a bunch of notes so that I didn't have to have my computer in front of me while I was driving here. Would you say um, like, with the women that are coming to your um, to your your house, your recovery house, um, that were involved with trafficking, did they seem like they were into drugs and alcohol before, or that that happened as a result of trafficking? So, with the, the women that we deal with specifically, um, most of them were 
using drugs already and then you know got into trafficking through their drug dealers because they couldn't afford to pay for their drugs so you know it was an easy step for them to just move into being trafficked um because that's how they could get their yeah you know and then they they it's it's such a it's like a catch-22 because then also their their trafficker now who's also their dealer will withhold their fix until they meet the requirement that they have established for them for that particular day um so it's not yeah i don't know and so then to the people looking for the sex all of the time these are what you would say are normal people right like uh-huh they're not normal they look yeah. normal right, right. They, they just like a family they mm-hmm. have their you know mm-hmm. yeah they they could be anybody you know like you could walk by anybody on the street and they could be somebody who's buying people for sex which is so disturbing to even think you know and if you really like let your mind go there it can really get you super paranoid but you know speaking the the good like the the comforting thought in all of this is that like they're not just snatching people up you know like this is a process it's they're looking for somebody who has vulnerability they're looking for somebody who is looking for that validation and that love and affection and attention so you know another as a parent, another thing that we can be doing is giving our kids that, you know, if we're giving them what they need and making them feel validated and loved and valuable, and obviously we shouldn't just give them everything they want, but, you know, helping them to understand the limits that we have established, like, I'm not going to buy you a $500 pair of tennis shoes because, you know, that's not in our budget or, you know, those are things that are not necessary or whatever your values are, you know, it's just an example, but, you know, giving your kids what they need from their parent will also help deter this process, even if they are online and somebody's trying to recruit them or groom them because they're not going to, they're not going to fall into that trap if they don't feel like they need that person's love and affection. Speaking of speaking of going down that rabbit hole and making yourself paranoid, like I haven't done that yet with all that's, you know, going around the Internet and um, all the things you're seeing lately on social media with like celebrities and people that you would never think of and the whole Epstein stuff and the, uh, you know, the Maxwell lady and like all this stuff like there's a lot and it's very, very scary to think. Um, but I've also seen recently that um as the world begins to, um, I guess, accept um, gender fluidity, there's a group of people that are trying to make age fluidity a thing. So therefore, they're saying that they identify as an eight-year-old boy or girl or whatever. And so therefore, they should be able to have relationships with other children and that that should be accepted and okay. So it's another just terrifying thing to like be watching for and listening for. And it is important to be, you know, just, I don't know, staying current on all these things that are changing in the world. It, it is it is beyond comprehension to me. Shoot, Emily. Okay, there we go. I, it's okay. I saw you got me muted. 
Um, I had not heard about the age fluidity thing. That is insane. And it sounds like it is the pedophiles, like it's their way in dream. Yeah. It's the pedophile dream. Like I can't even believe that's real. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm eight years old, so I'm just going to be one. Yeah. What? I know. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. So I love, I guess to just sort of summarize, I guess the, the biggest things we can do are to try and just, it, it just all starts at home, like with giving your kids, you know, the love and attention that they need and deserve, getting them a foundation in Jesus. Right. And just, just Absolutely. working, you know, just leading by example with morals and values and how you live your life and how you love your children to start. And then, you know, all those crazy things that we have to do with monitoring their social media, everything that they're doing on the internet, people that they're spending their time with. Um, there's just a lot, but I think if you start at home and start, you know, I don't know, just do the right thing from when they're very small, that can be very helpful. Don't, you don't want your kids to be one of the vulnerable kids, you know? Exactly. But it's also so hard to say because look at how many people take a lot of wrong turns and they're like, yeah, I had a great childhood. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. You can't predict it. But that's why I'm saying start at home and then also take all those other precautions with the social media and the online presence and keeping an eye out for, you know, I don't know, like you mentioned, them having random things that you didn't purchase for them or... um, I don't know. I don't know. The world's a scary place. It really is. And, you know, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think, too, like that whole concept of like it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah, it's true. Like that is so true because, you know, as a as a teenager, I would have never dreamt of going to my parents and telling them like I did this thing that I know was really horrible. And even though they preached to me for my whole life, you know, like come to us, you can always tell us anything. Like I knew better than that. I was going to get my ass kicked, you know, <laughs> literally, but and, like they were going to, I was going to be in really big trouble if I actually told them what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but if I ever got my, and I, fortunately I didn't ever get myself in so far over my head that I like needed an adult to help me get out. But if I, if I, had needed that help you know I had we had this group of families that we all were kind of like one big happy family together and I could have easily gone to one of the other moms who was not my actual mom but I called mom you know and said I'm in over my head um and I don't you know I don't know how many families nowadays have those kinds of relationships but I those might be an important thing too, as a adult to sort of cultivate for your kids to have other adults that they can trust and go to knowing that as they get older, they're not going to want to come to you and, you know, tell you every little thing that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing because they know that they're going to have to suffer the consequences fully. I think that's such a, a good you know, we have a couple of families for sure that, and just in like, even yesterday with my neighbor, like I'm helping her little girl learn how to ride her bike and all of that stuff. And like, we went to the, we went to the park and we swung on swings and it was wonderful. And a helicopter flew over right after. And I was like, Oh, we're going to get in trouble. They're turning us in, you know, but 
Like I was teaching her how to pump and swing and the little girl that I was helping with the bike, she wanted me to push her. Kristen knows like I'm like the playground mom. She's like, way to make us look bad. No. Yeah. I'm sitting on the bench. (laughs) Yeah. Then the mom was trying to push the little girl and she's like, no, I want her to push me, you know? And she's like, well, what the heck? I'm like, sorry. I'm like the, the playground fairy, you know, it's, but it's nice for them to know that they can trust other people. And that's, you know, that is important. I think one thing that I was going to ask really quickly too, is like when you're saying that they have to meet their quotas and stuff, does that also mean that they have to bring in other children? Um, possibly, you know, I, I don't know what all the different requirements are from all the different pimps out there, you know, but I certainly, um, that could be part of what their quota is. And we have had women in our house who were, trying to groom and recruit for their pimps, you know, that they had worked for before they were living in our recovery house. And, you know, once they were out in the community, a lot of our referrals come from um, the criminal justice system. And so when they got out of jail, they got reconnected right away with their old people, you know, despite all of our best efforts to try to not do that. Um, And they were recruiting people from within the house to try to, Uh you know, I was watching part of, the, part of the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix and many of the girls that he had were recruited by other girls like they would bring in their friends or even some were like too afraid to do it. But they recruited all of their friends to then go. So it's I mean, because they didn't want to. Um, sorry, this if this hangs up, we can get right back on. I Somehow my Zoom is giving me a time limit now, which it never had before. <laughs> Jill, if we can cut that part out, but do we want to just hang up quick and jump right back and then we can wrap up? Yeah, that's fine if you guys want to do that. Okay, so sorry. All right, I'll jump right back on. Can you hear me? Am I muted again? There. Okay. Did you just get my text? Oh, no. I'm my client in 15 minutes, so I need to be able to run back to the house. But just FYI. Okay. Hold on. Now you're breaking up. Shoot. Okay. Awesome. Sorry about that. Okay. Yes. Kristen has a client at 1215. So we'll try to wrap up in the next five minutes or so. Um, I just was going, okay. So we can jump back in right now, I guess. Um, She's muted. Do you know that? Oh. No, I'm not. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Okay. So One last thing, too, is just recognizing what you guys are doing. I think that's awesome. Um, And, you know, from being from Wisconsin and growing up together and stuff like that, 
if if there's in, or just in general if there are people that are listening if there's people that are feeling like they're being called to do what you guys did can you just quickly give me a rundown like i said i have your bio or um that's in the beginning of this episode but you know how you were called um to start you know to start what you're doing what were the steps or you know is it something you know that obviously anybody can start doing, or even if there's people that need help, like where, how do they find a trustworthy um, source like you guys are? Awesome, yeah. So we um, got started in this realm of um, recovery housing because my stepson is in recovery from opioid addiction um, and had an overdose, gosh, three years ago already. Um, and in his recovery after that, um, you know, he needed a place to live prior to his overdose. He'd been homeless and living in Minnesota. Um, so he didn't have a place to go back to. And of course, when you leave the hospital, they won't let, just let you, well, sometimes they do, but in his case, they wouldn't let him just be discharged to nothing. So we were, um, looking for recovery housing for him when he was discharging from the hospital. And in that process found that our community has a serious need for that sort of um, living environment for people who want to try to transition because going from a highly structured environment, like, you know, either inpatient treatment, um, you know, he was coming out of a brain injury facility, but you know, it's still a very, very structured environment. Yeah. And then going into completely unstructured regular life is, that's a big step. And so having, you know, the staff in the middle of the somewhat structured, but you have some freedom so you can sort of practice being free to do what you want with still some rules and somebody to check in with um, is a really important piece of the, the puzzle for somebody who wants to have successful recovery. So anyway, in our community, there really just wasn't, there was nothing really at all for women. There was a couple options for men. So we felt um, really drawn to start this house for women. Um, and it really, I mean, we were so fortunate in being mentored by another recovery house. Um, they freely shared all of their documents with us, all of their policies and procedures, like the whole thing. We just kind of got handed over this, like, here's how you do it. Yeah. Which was great because we have no background, you know, like I'm, I'm a speech pathologist. I work with people who have, you know, strokes and, kids who don't say their R's right, you know, like I don't have a history in AODA or any sort of counseling. And my, my husband doesn't have a background in that as as well. So we were really going into this with like zero previous knowledge. So, um, anybody can do it. It's, it's work, you know, anything worthwhile is work, but it's work and it's, um, it's hard work because you're not in control of what other people make as their choice, um, right. which I think is probably the hardest part of what we do is very you have, to, you have to accept that you can't make the choices for them. You know, they, they're in and they're going to make choices that you don't like and that aren't beneficial. And that's just the way that life goes sometimes. But um, so it's a process for us. We started it as a nonprofit. There are homes out there that are for profit as well. So you can go either route. 
Um, and it's just a matter of finding a building and filling it with furniture and, you know, getting your program ready to go. So um, if people are interested and in, in reach out to you, I'm happy to share more. I know we don't have enough time to talk about all the specific details, nor does everybody probably really want to hear all the, the yeah. nitty gritty. But if somebody is interested, I'd be happy to, um, you know, mentor them and share our information as well. Um, and then as far as someone in the world who needs to find reliable housing, so there's a national group called NAR, N-A-R-R. Um, it is sort of like an accrediting agency, but not entirely. Um, each yeah. state each state has to have their own affiliate group and every state doesn't have one. Okay. So you can start there and they can maybe help you um, find a reputable place. Otherwise, it's just doing the legwork, you know, and going and seeing them. And yeah. and I would actually physically go visit them if you can, because people can make their websites look really pretty. And then when you arrive, it's not what it looks like on the website. Yeah. Kind of like we talked about with people making fake profiles. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm sure it's, it's so crazy. And, you know, thank you so much for just for coming on today. And thank you for being a saving grace for those women, you know, mm -hmm. for the time that they are there. And, you know, it might be the first time that they've actually ever felt loved. And so even if they make the wrong decisions, Yep. leaving there, you know, hopefully they come back or they, they realize down the road somewhere that, you know, that, that there is true love and true, you know, people out there trying to make a difference. And so thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Um, we just start planting the seeds of God's love in everybody's life. And that's, that's our, that's our role in this, you know, Yeah. God and the Holy Spirit do the rest of it for us. So yeah. Love that. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, thank um, you. Yeah, thanks, you guys. And we'll definitely, I'll be in touch for sure. And we'll, um, you know, put your information out there as well if people want to look up your stuff or get a hold of you. And um, just thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank Have you a great family. day. You awesome. Too. You too. Bye bye. Bye. that's a wrap on another episode of activate if you found value or were simply entertained please subscribe rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform also be sure to follow us on activate pod on facebook and instagram so you don't miss a thing thanks for your support today's the perfect day to activate your life we love y'all